through. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. Don't judge me, Rocky. You're a wizard, Harry. Why so serious? Here's Johnny! Welcome to episode seven of Lords of Film. I'm glad you got that number right this time, Tom. Yeah, I thought it was eight. I thought it was fourteen. It doesn't matter. It's episode seven, Lords of Film. We're here. We're still here. Kyle, Justin, yo, I'm here. Excellent. The group's here. So, uh, yeah, it's, we ha- uh, we're not gonna do commentary, nothing tonight. We're just gonna do a uh, laid back little discussion, Lords of Film style. Talk about some current events. You said current events. Current events. History class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about Brian Singer. We're going to talk Memento, a little George Lucas, Fantastic Four, and then we're going to finish the the night off with Peter Jackson. Fantastic? Yeah, but we we got to talk what? Spectre first. Spectre. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. When you, when you were out of... Word. Spectre. My girlfriend's like, is it Spectra? I was like, Spe- no. Spectre. It's, it's Spectre. It could have been a really sexy film, too. But it wasn't. I, Kyle, you were salty about Spectre. I thought it was an okay movie. I think the biggest problem it suffered was the fact that, you know, how James Bond movies usually always have these very elaborate villains that are, well, they're usually characters you remember for a long time. The problem with Spectre is the villain in the movie was the least utilized character. It's, yes, he's in the movie for, what, 10, 15 minutes? Like, 10 minutes total, maybe, like, three different scenes. And the movie's, what, two and a half hours long? Something like that, yeah. Wow. My other issue with, I don't know if you, if you saw this, but I didn't really enjoy the action sequences at all. No, they were just kind of -of run-of-the-mill as far as Bond movies go. Like, I've seen it done better, even in recent Daniel Craig movies. So, like, no jumping out of an airplane without a parachute? No, he's in, like, a helicopter at the very beginning, but at the very beginning of the movie... I'm just saying, like, none of those, like, classic crazy Bond stunts. I mean, they were, but they were just... There was no excitement to it. They were okay. really the way I guess the way I could describe it is the way they were they were edited. There were long edit points like a long like you know like Chris Nolan movies or um I'm trying to think of another like a Michael Bay film, like the actions like edited like super super fast, like mini cuts throughout the scene. There were long drawn out sequences of of Bond just doing random things. Like the very first scene I really enjoyed the very first scene because the the music, the Day of the Dead is awesome. Like I listened to that like, mm-hmm. uh, that song like maybe every other day since this came out. But he's walking on this ledge and he's just like slowly walking and he's got to go kill this guy. There's no, there's no like, uh, this, there's no stakes to the to the action. Like even when he's racing off from uh, from uh, Dave Batista's character. Like, there was nothing to that scene either. Right. They're just very, I don't know, there's something, the editing of it was very strange. But yes, the the villain of the movie was in it for like 10, 15 minutes. And you, when you have a character like Christoph Waltz, who's playing the probably the most famous Bond villain of all time. Yeah, they went way back for that one. Yeah. The way that, that you're not utilized is so very, very, very strange. Snapchat! Yeah, we just snapped. Yeah, that's why it took so long. Sorry. 
Check well, it out. You have... Here, you can listen to it. That's what we sound like on Snapchat. <laughs> follow us. Yeah, follow us on Snapchat. Um, but Christoph Waltz, Inglorious Bastards, uh, the Big Eyes, Tim Burton's Big Eyes, the Graydon, not even in the movie for what, 10, 15 minutes. And when he's in the movie, there's that one torture scene at the end, which was terrifying. If they could have added more of that into the film mm-hmm. and cut out all this other stuff, it would have made the movie that much better. I think it, 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 it was suffering from a very similar problem that Quantum Solace had, where it just didn't feel like there was anything that really stood out from scene to scene, and it just kind of all blurred together, and then by the time you get to the end, it was just all just like this jumble of things that were happening, but nothing really stood out that you could remember. That's what I. That's how I feel about Quantum Solace. Is that it was just like scene to scene to scene. Nothing was really happening. But with Quantum Solace, the issue with Quantum Solace is it fell into limbo because of the writer's strike, so they couldn't yeah. work on the script. This movie, they could actually they had really good writers and they had a really good director, and the script really suffered. I feel like maybe there were too many uh, hands in the cookie jar. It was just weird. <laughs> When you come after a successful movie like Skyfall, which was financially and critically successful, and you kind of don't follow up with something that's equally exciting or a story that's not as compelling, it leaves, it kind of left a bad impression or a bad taste in my mouth with the whole James Bond series right now. Because it's like every other film since Daniel Craig's been in Bond has been mediocre. Casino Royale, amazing. My favorite of the series. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Then Quantum Styles comes after that. Eh, not... Although, I just, I just want to say, I don't think it's a problem with Daniel Craig necessarily. I think even during the, the lesser of his movies, he's always done a pretty good job of being Bond. I think it's just everything else around him that kind of brings the movies down. Right. And but then after the, after Quantum Solace, you have a great movie in Skyfall. Yeah. Then you have a mediocre film in Spectre. It's just it's I don't know. I know Tom hasn't seen it, but um, it's just weird. I don't know. Maybe maybe Darren Craig isn't really interested in playing Bond anymore. Like he said, he's like kind of dumb. But then Isn't he was he gonna on, do one more. I heard. I well, he's I heard. contractually he's he's supposed to contractually. Like he's got one more. Uh, film in the contract, but I kind of hope that Chris Nolan takes over and uh, Michael Fassbender or Tom Hardy are uh, Bond. That'd be interesting. What about John Hamm? No, yeah, he's John, not British. John Hamm. But it's John Hamm. I'm uh, sure he can do a British accent. I mean, he looks good, so... We all know you think he looks good. Okay, so after that, let's, we gotta jump into... Uh, do we want to talk Brian Singer or do we want to jump right into Memento? What do you have to say about Brian Singer? Well, I thought, like, he was done with X-Men after oh, yeah. X-Men Apocalypse. But apparently, right. according to some online sources, comicbook.com or something, um, they are actually prepping to shoot the next film in Toronto in 2017. But I thought he was done because it's not like, okay, X-Men Apocalypse is going to close the story on this the the last three right, of, they've been talking about getting a new Wolverine. Mm-hmm. They've been talking about all kinds of stuff. But it's been weird yeah. because Wolverine, but not with like Wolverine's done. But apparently James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender have signed on for more movies okay. after that. Okay. 
So I don't know. It's very bizarre because I really thought he'd be done, but I really enjoy the Brian Singer directed X Men movies. Every X Men movie he has done has been phenomenal, and they've gotten better each with each one. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's true. So if he does come back, I don't know what they're gonna, what story they would tell. Maybe they can go back and try to retell the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, that'd be awesome because they they teased it in X two and then X three. Right. Singer went away to go Superman Returns. So I don't know. It's it's odd. I feel like the X Men series is always just in a kind of constant flux of you never really know what's gonna happen with the series until. Something gets written in stone and it happens right away. Like, and then it's just like gold, though. Because like, I, like recently, you know, there were there was all these rumors going around. Like, what's happening with Gambit? Is it happening? Is it not? Who's going to be Gambit? But those seem to have been called down, and that's going to happen now. But then, like, yeah, and like Gambit's, I think they're in final negotiations with the director for Gambit because the original I can't remember the original director's name, but Doug Lyman, who did uh, Edge of Tomorrow, the, the Tom Cruise movie, mm-hmm. like Live Die Repeat thing. Uh, he's going to be directing that Gambit movie. Okay. And then, like, Jane Tatum was like, I'm not doing it anymore. Then he did it. I don't know. It's been... It hasn't... Like, you're right. It has been a little off. Yeah, like, that's just that one example. But there's also, like, all right, what's going to happen with the Wolverine series out there this next one? Like, are we going to... Who's going to be new Wolverine? Are we going to reboot it? Are we even going to make Wolverine movies? Like, no one really knows what's happening when it comes to X-Men-related movies. It's just... Never. You just don't know until something actually happens. Right, there's. It doesn't seem like there's. Uh, I wouldn't say like a shared universe kind of feel to it, but like you know how Marvel has like th- this. We're gonna plan this out for like X amount of years. Yeah. And now Warner Brothers has plans out for the next X amount of years, but I guess you're right because it doesn't seem like they. It's like a day in day out kind of thing with this series. Like there's not like things set in stone for it. Like I don't I don't feel like Fox has like a five year or ten year plan with X Men. It's kind of like no maybe film maybe film. one or two, but we'll we we'll have to see what happens. I mean X Men Apocalypse is I I estimate it's gonna gross gross more domestically and internationally than Captain America uh, Civil War. Uh, that's gonna be a hard one to beat. I think there's a lot of hype for from fans about the Civil War that's gonna happen. I mean, but you have. Apocalypse in the movie, one of the greatest comic book villains of all time. Yeah, and the villain for I feel like we say that about every single new villain that we see in a film, though. Too or like, I don't know, like the hype. I don't think the hype's that big for it. I mean, like well, that. we haven't seen anything for it though. Like, there's been one or two stills. There, yeah. like the set was on lockdown. Like we're not getting set leaks like we did awesome. on Suicide Squad or uh, C- Captain America. So nothing is really known about the plot either. Yeah. I mean, I guess there were a few like the first days of shooting. There were those set leaks of what the new Cyclops and Storm and all them looked like. Other than that, and there hasn't been much. So they have everything on lockdown. But I am. They got the writers from X2 on to write X-Men Apocalypse. And to me, that was, other other than the last one, that was the strongest of the scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for it. I do, I do wholeheartedly think that it'll gross more because everyone, there's just goodwill towards these films. It's true. They've been around a long time. That franchise has been going for... I mean, you could argue that... Like 15 years now? What? Yeah, starting yeah. in 2000. You could yeah. argue that the original X-Men 
it's like what revitalized the comic book movies before the Dark Knight. It, did. Yeah, yeah, it did. You definitely could go there. We, I think we've t- said that before. Probably I, I know you've said it before. We've said a lot of things. Like everyone gives Blade, like Blade, like. I like the Blade movies, except for the last one, of course. But like, dude, the first one was pretty freaking strong, dude. Yeah. That was a cool movie. Like, like that I was, didn't even know that was a comic book movie until I got older. You know, right. I just thought that was a badass movie. Yeah, like it was. I, I give that credit for sure. I Blade came out right after Batman and Robin in '98 or '99. Uh-huh. But I like, but it kind of came in under the radar. Very much, yeah. And X-Men really came under the radar, but it was a strong movie. But when it, like, blew up, it was like, ooh, and yeah. like, like, Blade never even, blew even, up. Like, even with their misses, like X3 or X-Men Origins of Wolverine, those movies still, yeah. still make a lot of money. They're still good. I mean, not, like, great, but they were still decent. Like you said, they made a lot of money because loyal fans. And... How much does it have to do with uh, star power rather than, like, fans of the series, you know, because the X-Men series has always, have always had really big names in them. Yeah, but who, who was Hugh Jackman before X-Men? Well, by the, by the time he got to the third movie, he was a big name. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, that's true, but... You got Ian McKellen in there as well, Patrick Stewart. I mean, to me, those those guys aren't like Tom Cruise huge. They're not, they're not like their, Robert Downey yeah, Jr. huge. That's like their their grail role though like Tony Stark like you know like uh, Robert Downey Jr. like that's that's their like staple character like they they wouldn't probably wouldn't still be known like they are today but, but to me, Robert staple da- of a character Robert Downey Jr. has always been a huge movie star he has but like he was so down in the dumps before he got the freaking I agree Iron with Man. that like everyone hated him he was like Charlie Sheen <sighs> And <laughs> maybe not quite that. Well, maybe not quite, but he's a little more healthy. But <laughs> what are you saying, Charlie? She's not healthy. No, he's not healthy at all. Well, maybe <laughs> he's got full of tiger blood. And... Yeah, this. But no, I mean, like be- before they hit those pivotal roles, like that really brought him back in public image as like a good guy and all right, that stuff. And I... Like, and he's a superhero with, like, now. Not that Hugh Jackman was like in like a messed up junkie or anything like that but like he like you said he who was he before he was Wolverine? he was he like, was what, a what theater actor exactly like every you show any little kid a picture of hugh jackman they're gonna say that's wolverine you, you know? show a picture of just wolverine they're gonna think hugh jackman right yeah yeah um he really just took the role to a whole new level and just he made, made it, it something he looks like wolverine from the comics he is wolverine from the comics when he's but he is he's a in character. He's yeah, just, he's spot on. He nails it. It's kind of sad to see him go. You know, like I, yeah, I really I, wonder how they're gonna try to. I guess the only th- it's like, a hard act to follow, man. It's like going on after Led Zeppelin. You know, like, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the only actor I really think that could pull it off would be Tom Hardy. I've seen the like mock photos of him with the. Like the Hugh Jackman beard, like the photoshopping. And yeah, the yeah. Photoshop. It I looks, it looks Hugh pretty Jackman, good. Didn't he? Hugh Jackman said. Hugh I Jackman said himself yeah. said he'd like to see that. Yep. I mean, that that's got to be pretty high praise coming in from Wolverine himself, right? I mean, I understand like what he's trying to do with it, and I know we're like we were talking about you know this X Men like this was not even going to be like the biggest vocal point of the show, but um, with that being said, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine and. I understand what he's, what he's thinking. Like, I want to go out on top. I just want like have my swan song, because he's getting older. Like, I'm sure it's hard to maintain that level of muscle mass for that long of time. He's not a young man anymore. Look at Hulk Hogan, man. 
I mean, but at the same time, it's like you have to like really, and as he wants to, I'm sure he wants to spend time. Like these movies take a long time to make, and then you have to do press and do all that stuff to do the junkets. So that's a two or three year commitment just right there. And like, t- I don't want to see him go because I ha- we as fans have the relationship with the character. Like he really dives deep into the role. Like he's a fan of the character as well. So that's awesome. Like he reads the comics. He wants yeah. to. He wants to do like when a certain series comes about. He's like, I really want to. He he's the one telling the writers like, this is where I want to go. Maybe we'll do. That'd be cool because like there's been talks about uh, there's been talks about rebooting an animated series for X Men. That'd be sweet. What if they get Hugh Jackman to voice Wolverine? That would That'd be, be awesome. so fucking epic. The one thing that I want to see a Hugh Jackman Wolverine is I want him to see him in that brown, you know, the brown oh, like mask the leather suit. suit. Like the yeah, yes. that's awesome. Yeah, because like, they had that school. they had that uh like deleted scene of in, the the, uh, the like the actual ending of the the Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah With, like he gets that. It. I want to see that. I will not be satisfied, completely satisfied with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine until I see him in that. I feel like it's going to happen. In Even the if it's for ten one. seconds, I'll lose my shit. Even if it's like the black suit Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. And Make that was it happen in there for like what ten minutes, fifteen minutes, done. Right, I don't care. I just want to see it. But yeah, like, no, just... I agree. That would be really cool. Because that's the one thing I've lacked from these films is the iconic Wolverine suit. Yeah, the or mask, the mask, like the yeah. The yellow, the blue, like, they never really... I mean, they did a little bit in, uh... When they had, like, days of, the black... Not Days of Future Past, but First Class. Right, they had the, like, black... Leather. Leather, like, yeah. Not, not good enough. <laughs> not good enough. Not good enough. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So, let's jump right into... The, the next lager. topic. <laughs> Something that Tom's really not well schooled in. Wow! Anything, dude. I suck. I let, Why I, am I, I here? I just hit the record the button hell and watch you guys talk. I let Kyle take the lead on Memento for this one. Talk about it. Let's go. go. What the fuck? Memento. So, word on the street is there's word on the street. There's word on the street. There's word on the street. You know the internet the street? highway. <laughs> <laughs> Say this because I know we'll lose it every Save time. You. Every time you say something crazy funny, uh, you wouldn't download a car, would you? <laughs> download it on the internet highway. <laughs> Driving a stolen car on the internet highway. <laughs> so okay. on the internet highway. Anyways, so apparently there's talks about rebooting, remaking, remaking the Memento movie that was originally Christopher Nolan's first feature film, but. They're not going to have Christopher Nolan involved with the project? Is that is that it? That's what I read. Because that's what I heard as well. So, like, the whole reason that movie is brilliant, was I feel like it's because of Christopher Nolan and the way he... He wrote it from a, from a short story his brother wrote. Like, his brother wrote this short story on, the, on this idea of this man with short-term memory loss. And how they wrote the movies, they would take these long drives. If I were, if I'm remembering my memento history, is they'd take these long drives back and forth, and uh, they would really, really work on the screenplay and ideas why they were driving. But I'm sorry to cut you off. Just no, you're, you're good. Fast. Like you, you know a little bit more about memento than I do. Um, but yeah, like 
the two of them together just create this amazing story that like it's it, you almost can't compare it to anything else like it's their creation in a way so the fact that they want to like remake the story but they're not involved just kind of feels wrong and another thing is like the movie itself is still still in the zeitgeist of the of fans of yeah like film. it's still a very popular classic movie that there's there's really nothing wrong with it technically it's still still, it's still fine up. by today's standards doesn't really need a remake other than you want to piggyback off its name and try to make more money off of it. Well, well, Memento's not a movie that made money. It was a critically acclaimed film. I don't, like, that's like, like we were talking about this before the show started. It's like, that's like remaking The Godfather, The Big Lebowski. What's the, what's the reasoning? There's no there, reason it already withstands the test of time. You, it's, yeah. it's a movie that... It does it unless you want to like try to make like a quasi sequel to Memento. Like, here's where these characters have been, or they went, yeah. or like before or after. But you're trying to just remake the film. Just doesn't make any sense as a, as a fan of film and filmmaking and filmmakers. This is one of the dumbest ideas I've heard in a long time. I, it's I, like the sequel to It's a Wonderful Life. There's no reason for it to happen. Yeah, I feel like a, there's two ways you could do this. You could either Remake it scene by scene, like copy it exactly. And if you're doing it, that, which they've no done that, and they did that with the Psycho. Like, yeah, they did it with Psycho. Which, granted, that wasn't the worst thing they have ever done, but like, it didn't really need to be done either. Exactly. But so, like, they, you can either copy it scene by scene, which there's no real reason to it because it's technically it's still a sound movie. There's nothing wrong with it. Or you try to reimagine it and like put a new twist on the story, which again, it kind of. Just, discredits what their the original vision of the movie was which it doesn't as like i said like if you look at the film as a whole the the movie is predicated on the story of this man who cannot remember one thing from the next the last memory that he has is of his wife being brutally attacked and he's trying his hardest to really find the 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 murder of his wife like he it's Essentially, it's a revenge story. Yeah, about a man who is looking for vengeance against the uh, the murder of his wife, and he has to tattoo himself. If I'm going to throw some spoilers in there, if you have not seen this spoiler movie, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Let me leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> he he tattoos his body with these different memories, like like remember Sammy Jenkins, remember this, remember that. Uh, uh, there's one like, don't believe John don't, G. Don't believe his lies. Yeah, don't believe his lies. And, you know, that's, those things predicate layers of the film. And throughout the entire film, it's being told backwards. Like, it start, the movie starts with, um, that Polaroid, you know, coming, going backwards, and, you know, the blood kind of like seeping back, and then, the the handgun coming up, you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's a great opening sequence. It's like, what is going on? But the story's so well done, and the characterizations are so well played, and everything, like, I, wa- I remember watching a Christopher Nolan talking about, like, just trying to break it, break down the idea of what they were doing story, like, as a story. Like, we're going to give you a little bit of this, then we're going to stop. We're going to stop that thread, and we're going to go back into this black and white sequence, and just, you're going to sit and talk, and learn 
about this character, Guy Pierce's character, and he's going to talk about the things that have happened so far. So essentially what he's being, what's that called? He's being an unreliable narrator. Is that the right term for it? I'm not sure what that technical term for that is. But you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's being an unreliable narrator or something. He's feeding false information. Yeah, he's feeding false information. Then when you when you get throughout the film, you're you're seeing the clues that he's uncovering are not exactly what is meant what, what he's supposed to be seeing. You know what I'm saying? Like he's uncovering these different clues and at the very end how I interpret it and this is one of those Christopher Nolan films where the ending you can interpret it any way that you want to, because it's ambiguous. Classic Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like it with Insomnia, The Dark Knight Rises, um, Inception, Inception yeah. even in Interstellar. Like the only one that doesn't have that really ambiguous. Speaking of Inception, I heard a fantastic fan theory about the ending of that movie. Okay. All right, so you know how at the end, how he has the the little token that's supposed to indicate whether or not he's in a dream or not. Right. And it's the top. Right. What if I told you that's not actually his token? I've heard that. I've read this theory. I've read that. I've read the theory too. That is with that the his, wedding ring. It's yeah. actually the wedding ring. Yeah, I've heard right. That. And if you go by scene by scene, right. the scenes where the audience for sure ne- knows he's in a dream, he has the wedding ring on. Is that it? It's one or the other. But so, yeah, like that. but like it's very clear when he doesn't have the ring on, when he doesn't, and then you get to the end, and. Does or doesn't? I, I, I can't I remember. Did I tell you about this? I feel like no, I told you. I don't, you it's don't, all over the internet, this. man. The huh? internet highway. It's all over it's the shit. Internet highway. Just go on there. <laughs> Download a car. Get on the internet highway. Check it out. Anyway, it's I like, feel like in an I Am Legend. Like, it's a little hint that he put yeah, in the I've, movie that, like, definitively answers what happens at the end of that movie. Yeah, but, but if you look at the end of that film, you can't see if he has it because he where he puts his hand... On the chair, you can't definitively tell if he has the ring on it or not. But if you look at where he is on the plane, he has it. I can't remember if it's on or off. I have to go back and rewatch that movie. Time to rewatch the movie again. Um, Pause. But that—that's a really like I've that theory's been around for. Since I, it I came just out. heard it for the first time recently. Surprisingly. Really, that's interesting. What are you new? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of information on the highway. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, so back to Memento. What, Memento. What, what were we talking about? Let's just agree that it's kind of a dumb idea that they're doing it. It's a great movie. It doesn't need to be changed. Well, like, like, I argue why? Why why remake it? It's already a classic film. Like, Tom, if they remade Big Lebowski, how pissed would you be? Different actors, different yeah. writers. I'm mad. I'm mad now. I'm pissed. No, but seriously, yeah, it's pointless. It, why? Everybody's still around. It's like, it was, what's it's wrong with the good. original version? I've seen it a hundred times. I still laugh at it. Like, it would just be ignorant. Unless it's like going off uh, when fucking the dude fucked Maud and she wanted to have a kid. And they, I mean, it's been long enough now. They could do a little dude, you know? I'd be down for the that. The Little Lebowski. The Little Lebowski, yeah, like, that'd be fucking cool, but as far as, like, remaking a classic like that, 
I'm with you guys. I mean, I'm not, I haven't seen Memento. It sounds great. I might watch it now, but you'll be totally mind fucked. I'll just be like, what it, the it's fuck? a mind fuck. It it literally. Are you saying it, I'm just gonna like Chris Nolan reaches into my brain <sighs> and touches it. It's like the most Christopher Nolan of Christopher Nolan movies. Oh no. <sighs> yeah, it's screwy. That's still. I still am like, what? I've re- I've watched it four or five times. I can't. It's a hard movie to like sit through and watch because you have all these. I wouldn't say it's a hard movie to sit through and watch the first time, but the second or third time, when you sit through and watch it, it's hard because you're like, okay, wait, what is it? You're trying to piece everything together and try to figure everything out. Um, but yeah, don't please stop, stop, stop. Just don't do it. Just stop. Just stop. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's like when when I heard they're trying to do a sequel to It's Wonderful Life. Why? Just piss what? you off. Just. To I need to know what happens after the off. end of the movie. <laughs> George Bailey becomes the richest man in town. <laughs> what more? What do you do with the money? Why? <laughs> I don't. Cars does he have? <laughs> I want to see him have a Lamborghini. Why is it there in MTV Cribs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So next, we're gonna get. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna dive deep into this. Uh oh. How many minutes are we at? Do so it far? feet first, so you don't break your neck. <laughs> How many minutes are we at? Because this is going to be like a half hour, I feel like. 28.50. Okay, We, we good, we good. Fan- it's going to be silence. Don't worry. Bant for stick. The sequel has Bant been... Bant for t- shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. About 30 minutes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Apparently Fox... I didn't read the press release from Fox or anything. I don't know, did you guys, but they're Was taking there a press release? I'm illiterate. <laughs> I don't know, but I remember Jesus. seeing, like, they took it off the calendar. Like, yeah. the sequel to Fantastic I don't, I don't think there was an official statement of it, but that, that happened. Yeah, but so, I, hey. I, like, I was on Facebook, and I read, like, the little square, and then, like, there's that little bit under where it's always got the ellipsis, and you're like, you should, I should click that to figure out what the hell is actually going on, but you never do. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> so they took it off the calendar. Which is good. I guess. Um, I would say it's good. Kyle thinks it's great. Talk about it. You watch the film, Kyle. Justin and I are, Justin I, and I are still I've to tried see it. to erase the memories of that movie from my mind. Because of how bad you ripped on it. I yeah. I seen like, it. There were so few redeemable qualities to that movie. Like You could tell that they just were like making this movie, so they kept the license for a few more years until... Either they decide to make another shitty movie, or they actually decide to make a good movie. Because I feel like there was very little effort put forth in this movie. So, are you happy that they're taking the film off the calendar? I mean, I rip on the first one a lot. Although I still think there could have been potential of this series. Like, the way they built everything up, it could have been decent. It just wasn't. So, I don't know, maybe... It all depends what comes as a result of this. Like, I, do they throw in the towel and hand the license back to Marvel? Are they going to just drop the Fantastic Four movies and decide they're just going to become side characters in X-Men? Like, it all depends what they do. Right, and we talked before we got we started recording about um, the idea of the film running out of time. And I guess we got to really... Br- if we're going to talk about that and the movie rights going back to Marvel, we have to like give some uh, 
like a brief synopsis of how that happened. So, so back in like the uh, early nineties. Long story short, this. Do you, okay, I'll 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 go as fast as I can. Yeah, you're good. Back in the back in the nineties, uh, Marvel was broke. About, <laughs> broke. They're about to be bankrupt. So I need money. So what Stan Lee did? It's hard out here for a pimp, Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> what Stan Lee did is he uh he went and he sold the the movie rights to all the characters uh to different movie studios. Fan Forstick, Spider Man, fucking Punisher, Punisher, yeah, all these different. All those ones you've seen that kind of suck, but are kind of me. Like, yeah, that's why the one the Marvel movies that are not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, right. Those movies were sold off so to keep. The, the keep Marvel Comics afloat. So when he did that, he the the idea behind it is you have to make so many movies within a time frame. It's like five or six years or whatever. If you don't, then the movie rights revert back to Marvel. Now, which is pretty cool because you're guaranteed a movie, right? But as we've been seeing, it's kind of shitty because they're just throwing out a movie. Like, like in the Fantastic Four has always been an issue. If you right. look back at in the nineties, they did the Roger Corman version that it has still not even been released. Like, I don't even know where you can find. Yeah, it. We gotta watch. It. We gotta I, try I, to find that. I think there are clips Kyle, on YouTube find of it. it. Fight, no, find a whole movie. <laughs> I, I've never seen. I've seen clips of it. They're, they did a documentary about it. With Roger Corman, because Stan Lee was really trying his best to keep the studio afloat. So, like I said, like that's why you have like Dolph Thund. I don't know if Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. God, it's awesome. Was part of that, <laughs> but but the movie somehow I don't know. Like I'm not well versed in the Fantastic Four film history universe. Like what happened, but the movie. Did the the Roger Corman version? Then the movie somehow went to Fox. So Fox did two films in the early two thousands: uh, Fantastic Four, then Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer, directed by St- Tim Story, who did that weird Jimmy Fallon Taxi Driver film. Mm-hmm. Those two movies suck too. Yep. So and now we have four Fantastic Four movies that have been. We got four Fantastic Four movies. That have been just god-awful. So, now the question is, now that it's been taken off the calendar, are they going to let the movie just go back to Marvel? Do I believe that? No. I think what they're going to do is, um, and we talked about this previous, like we talked about this before we started recording, is I heard a rumor back a, a few months ago that they want Brian Singer to kind of uh, right the shit the, yeah. on Fantastic Four because was, Josh Trank really screwed the pooch. Good call. Um, he, like he was locking himself in his trailer, was having issues on set, wasn't really you know like you you can list you can you can find this story on, on the internet highway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we like I said we I had heard like I haven't heard from anyone but I just. You know, rumors on the internet saying that Brian Singer has been asked to kind of write the ship, kind of figure out the best way to go about this because he can make a good film. No matter what, what studio he's at, you know, like, even, like, a lot of people shit on Superman Returns, but at the end of the day, it's still a better film than any of the Fantastic Four movies put together. Good call. So, 
Do I think they're going to let the movie rights revert back to Marvel? No. What I think they're going to do is they're going to somehow figure out a way to put the Fantastic Four, I don't know if it's going to be these Fantastic Four characters or actors, into X-Men, but I do feel like at some point you're going to see Mr. Incredible or Johnny Storm or Invisible Girl or Lady or whatever her name is. In, like, in these, in an X-Men film. Do you think that is related to the Brain Singer doing more X-Men movies rumor at all? No, I don't. You think they're separate rumors? I think I think what could potentially happen is just a hot rumor topic. He just gets around. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I I think what eventually will happen is um in the next film, I feel like they'll ha- they'll cast a new group of people and they'll be put in like a few scenes in X-Men. And then that will, and then maybe Deadpool and Gambit will make their way into these films because I can't wait for the X Men Cinematic Universe. Because it it looks like Deadpool is going to be a great film. We all know Brian Singer can knock it out of the park with X Men, but why can't they figure out this Fantastic Four film? This could be a. Why can't they just get the guys who directed The Incredibles? Boom. And make this film. Pixar, just make a Fantastic Four animation They're all adults movie. and they can fuck. Except for the rock guy, because he don't have no junk. <laughs> no, ain't got no junk down there. So, yeah, three of them that can fuck. That's interesting. Why can't they do something with that? I, like, honestly, <laughs> didn't they do that's that? all they need. Yeah, didn't they do they that in the 2000s? Yeah, they got, yeah. yeah. Human, or, wait, who gets married? Invisible know. Girl Fan- and, Mr. Uh, Fantastic. And, yeah, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, Reed they Richards. get married. Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Um, but why, I don't understand why can't they just go out and find that writer of that that of the Incredibles? Hey, well, here's five million dollars. Write this screen. Make play. a live action Incredibles movie, and then we'll adapt it. it. Seriously, you could even tap Paul Dini. Could <laughs> Paul Dini could write a great Fantastic Four movie? For real, tap him to make this. Have him have him directed too. I like how like Paul Dini is like the show's John Hamm. <laughs> <laughs> The new John Hamm. So who should write this? Paul Dini! Paul he, Dini writes he, stuff! He has written the best stuff. He's a hell of a story writer, man. So why can't he? Exactly. No, I wasn't making fun. I was just... Just find yeah. someone who has a track record. And it doesn't matter like if you find like a really great like top-of-the-line filmmaker. You just need someone who's confident in himself to go out and do this. Because it sounds like the pressure got to Josh Trank. And he's like, oh my god, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? But how hard is it to to look at the script like this is a hunk of crap? I mean, at their four attempts, it must be pretty hard because they haven't got it right in four tries. I don't get it. You have you could literally break up these characters into their own movies, and I would watch it as cool. long as it's yeah. good. Because I like the characters of the Fantastic Four, and you have strong villains. You have Galactus. You have Doctor Doom. Unless he's like a cloud. In the in the. Let's punch him into the sun. Punch punch the cloud into the sun. They always gotta punch something. Into a light. Yeah, some kind of light source. It's like a just giant bug zapper effect in their movies. (laughs) (laughs) And just like I said, it's just it's bizarre that they cannot after four attempts they still can't figure out the right way, the right approach. Because they try to make it a family friendly film with the first two 
Well, all three of the, like, I'm, I guess, like... The two middle ones? The two middle ones. Like, the first one was kind of family... I've seen tra- trailer for it, so it looked family-friendly. Um, but then they try to go, like, kind of, like, serious, dark tone with it. But really, the best way that I think you should go about this film is try to make it, like, Spider-Man 2. Not the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Fucking tap Sam Raimi! Sam Raimi would be perfect for the ser- series and franchise. He's looking to do more movies. There you go. Everyone's looking at me like... Crap. I mean, that covers it pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you're so. going off. You're angry. Like, I, I think, am angry. I, you're an I angry think little we're on the same elf page. about this. Yeah. I'm like elf on a shelf, pissed. Pissed, elf on a shelf. yeah. Um, okay, so to finish off this episode of Lords of Film, we have to talk about Peter Jackson and The Hobbit. Because apparently he winged it. <laughs> um, you quote about? unquote winged it. So we actually pulled from YouTube. Somebody posted um, the behind the scenes of the extended edition of uh, the third Hobbit film. And I'm going to try to buy this box set because I'm not going to buy it for the films. I like Desolation Support of Smuggling. Support the cause. But I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase it for the behind the scenes because I find that the behind the scenes are as compelling, if not more so compelling than the actual films, right. especially with this series. And they go so in depth. I really enjoy how they kind of like break everything down. But Tom's gonna play you a clip from the YouTube video on the Hobbit, and then we're gonna discuss it. So, uh, whenever you're ready, Tom. Check it out. I don't even have time to think for half an hour if I'm on the set directing because in that half an hour I've got 30 people coming up to me asking me questions so I can help everyone else but I can't help me. I, I don't get the time I need to think. It's so much to think about the details of each day. It's relentless. You know, we shoot for a long time. So then they look up and see the dragon left to the right. I was able to wing it right up until the point that I had to start shooting this very intricate battle. I couldn't wing that really. I did need to know what the hell I was doing and have a plan. So after watching that, he just looks so deflated with, you know, directing The Hobbit. Like I don't know what's in his, like in his headspace. I don't know. Uh, uh, like how many hours a day, like he said he was working 21 hours days, but he just looked really deflated. And when he says, you know, like, I just winged it, I'm like, well, that kind of explains, like, the whole Hobbit franchise. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. Like, Peter Jackson's a fabulous, one of my favorite directors. I love Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love The Lovely Bones, Frighteners, and King Kong. His version of King Kong is in my top 15. Oh, yeah, I, I love Hobbit. his version of King Kong. But with that being said, you know, he talked about how and we're not playing that part of this, but in the video he said, you know, Guillermo del Toro was the filmmaker. He was going to direct the film, and then all of a sudden he left the film, and then Peter Jackson came in, but he wasn't allowed the year and a half that he had to prep the film. So when he came in to prep the film, he didn't have as much time. So they did a redesign, and like he said, Fran and Philippa and himself didn't get the scripts where he wanted, and so he was basically winging it on set every day. And that, to me, like really explains the overall quality for The Hobbit. Like the Originally, the film was only going to be two films, mm-hmm. Hobbit Part 1, Hobbit Part 2, but then they broke it up into three. 
And I've always felt like the Desolation of Smog was the best version of that. Uh, of the, of the three, of the three films. And I feel the reason that is because, um, they did a lot of like their, uh, a lot more work went into that second film because it was originally only going to be two films and they broke it up pretty late in the game. But I just kind of feel bad for him because I know how he feels about Middle Earth and the, the world of Tolkien and a lot of fans really enjoy his Lord of the Rings. And when I see, like, he had to wing it because he just didn't have the time to prep the film like he did with Lord of the Rings. I think he said it was, like, three and a half years total prepping Lord of the Rings, the entire trilogy. Makes me sad. But it also makes me sad for films, um, for fans of the book. And I'm a fan of the books as well as I'm a fan of the films. I mean, what do you think about this, Kyle? Like, I know you are very opinionated when it comes to this franchise because you said what you haven't even seen the second and third film. Yeah, like just just to kind of preface this, you know, like I, like I said to Marco Deschi when we had him on the show, I am a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings. Like, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy of movies to death. I really love the books. I even love the Hobbit book. I read that many times. So when it when it was announced that Peter Jackson was going to be doing a Hobbit trilogy, I wasn't kind of I wasn't sold on the idea of a trilogy, but I was so like, oh sweet, I'm gonna see Peter Jackson's take on a more Middle Earth stuff. I'm really excited for this. Right. But then after seeing the first Hobbit movie, it, that talk about a fast deflation of a hype balloon because I <laughs> I just felt like there was like no soul to it. There, it just right. felt like he was there, just kind of earning a paycheck or something. I just didn't feel like I was back in Middle Earth. Nothing felt the same. I didn't feel that love for it like I did many times before. So talk about that lack of soul, because you said that, and I feel like you're only scratching the surface of, like, the lack of soul. Like, when you talk about soul, you're talking about, like, the care, like, you really cared about Frodo, and you cared about um, yeah, like, Gandalf, but in this film, you really didn't care about Bilbo as much. I, yeah, like, I don't really care for Bilbo as much as I did for Frodo. Maybe it's just because I've already gone down this path. I've already found a Hobbit character to really like. There's but, a lot like, of walking, and, like, you, you, we've already yeah, like, spent nine hours walking. I mean, walking. like, you can talk about how the first Lord of the Rings movie is just a lot of walking, but, like, there's even more walking in the Hobbit movies. And another problem is the fact that, like, the, part of the story is there's all these dwarves that come in. None of them are very memorable until, like, I, again, I haven't seen the third movies or the second one, but I hear that some of them start becoming more standout later on. But, like, in the first movie, they're just like... Those dwarves, man, they dig our deer. I mean, like, <laughs> like they, they might as well have been, like, 12 extras or something, because they didn't... They were just there, and I just didn't care for any of them. Well, talk about the CGI as well, because if you look at the original trilogy... And we're talking about, when we say original trilogy, we're talking about Lord of the Rings. The tr- the original trilogy had really well done CGI. But when it came it had, to the... It had just enough for the parts that needed it, but everything else looked rather authentic, rather real in, in right. a sense. Like, especially the orcs. Mm-hmm. I want to say, like, the the actors they had for the orcs all looked really good. Like, you could... If you look, if you saw that in real life, you'd be terrified. But, but talking about the CGI for... The Hobbit films, because I know that's been your biggest that gripe is probably, and why yeah. you don't it's, really care to go down. I just feel like with The Hobbit, they just kind of were like, well, we're not going to spend as much time and money investing into authentic props and costumes. We're just going to CGI everything that doesn't need to be see- 
we're going to CGI everything that we can get away with CGI in. And so it just comes off as feeling really fake, which I know is kind of odd considering it's a fantasy movie. Everything's supposed to be fake, but it, you just don't get immersed into the experience. You don't feel like you're there in Middle Earth experiencing the story. You're just you're just kind of watching stuff happen. You don't feel like you're a part of it. Like I still have not seen all. I've, I've watched all the films, but I still have not seen the entire first film altogether because every time I watch it I fall asleep. Yeah. Well right when they get to uh La is it Lothorian with uh with Gandalf and Galadriel, I pass out. I'm I having the, I'm having to dig really deep for the name. It's been a few years since I've read the book. Um I just cannot for whatever reason I just cannot get past that scene. Every time I'm just like, oh it's a snooze fest, I'm done. Mm. But I really enjoyed the desolation of smog. Like I felt like they were starting to really get into these characters. The CGI for Smog was really well done. It just, it, it, I, I just, I feel bad for Peter and I feel bad for the filmmakers and the cast and the crew because I feel like they really wanted to deliver a film or a series of films that could stand the test of time, like Lord of the Rings will. But they, in their attempts of doing that, they just forgot to make good films. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage Peter or the filmmakers or anything, but they were, they just made, they maybe they should have postponed the delivery date on the first one, moved that back a year so they could just have more time instead, and instead of having. The films come out year after year, like they did the Lord of the Rings. They they should have done it where the first one came out in 2011, the second one came out in 2013, the last film came out in 2015. So you're just giving the filmmakers enough time to really go and edit the film. Like My biggest issue with when I, I did my review for the first Hobbit movie was I felt like it was just edited really terribly. Like it was like long long sequences of dialogue, like things were like if you look at the like original films, like like it's a fast paced movie in every one of them. It's three hours and like you're engaged in the storytelling. You're even the slowest of them it was to a degree. Like even with uh oh man, what's the tree's name? Uh, Treebeard. Treebeard. Like the slowest <laughs> movie character of all time. Like, you still invest in the characters. You still invest in that character particularly. But I could not get into all these different characters. I don't know. I mean, I know, Tom, you haven't really... Not much to say now, dog. (laughs) I mean, what do you... When you're seeing... I'm not, like, a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. So, like, when I see that, like, Peter Jackson was sleeping three hours a day and, like... He was sick for six weeks of shooting, and so I had no fucking clue about that. Like, that blows my mind. Like, how did they get those movies done? Like, yeah, he did have to wing it. And yeah, I agree. It definitely shows. It makes a lot more sense now, like, why it is what it is. It's mediocre at best. It's not... I'd say it's it's a little above average. Eh. Which is mediocre at best. Yeah, it's got to have high standards in the movie industry, right? I I really wanted to love those films, but I just could. Like I, I really enjoy the Desolation of Smog. I did not really enjoy 
the last film. And I don't understand why it was rated like the extended version. The the original version of the third film, the Battle of Five Armies, is PG thirteen, but the extended version of it's rated R. I don't understand and, why like, that is. There's nothing added to it. There's thirty minutes or so added to the five armies but why does it go from pg-13 in the original edit and then r in the that i don't and it's all violence like i'm are they cutting people's heads off what's going on i mean i haven't seen it so i can't really say i don't know after the after the uh, first hobbit version i've seen (laughs) so i don't know like it just sucks because i like when i read lord of the rings and I saw the film. I don't have to read the Lord of the Rings anymore. I can just put the film on and enjoy being in Middle Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when you have a like Harry Potter, some of the Harry Potter films as well. Like I'd much rather sit down and watch the Sorcerer's Stone or Chamber of Secrets of Prisoner Azkaban compared to sitting down and reading the books because. To me, like I'm getting more enjoyment. Time restraints. I mean, time restraints is. That makes a little bit of sense, but I Harry can, Potter books are pretty good. The Harry Potter Harry books Potter are books excellent, are amazing reads. Well, I can sit down and be and enjoy the movies much more because I can see the love and the character, the source material, and the characterizations that are unfolding on screen and how everything's kind of like unfolding. But and I did that with Lord of the Rings, but I can't do that with The Hobbit. I'm going to go, and instead of wa- sitting down and w- watching nine hours of the Hobbit movies, I'd much rather spend nine hours reading the Hobbit. You could probably actually get through the Hobbit in nine hours or less. Yeah. It's not that long of a book. No, really and it's not. a kid's book. It's a pretty easy read. So yeah. how they turned it into nine hours of movies is kind of beyond me. Right? I don't understand why that that happened either. They could have just made it two films originally. It's like, could, does, it, does that mean that we could have had a version of the original trilogy that was actually like six or nine movies long like right. if you can turn a single yeah, book into three movies why not do it to all of them three i would love it if they did that with Lord of the rings there'd be so much content in there oh yeah they could talk tom you bombadil could, you could have like yeah. an entire movie that's the battle of helm's deep ah, <laughs> don't even say that i love that that'd be it, amazing it, uh, two towers is one of two towers is my favorite of that trilogy and the battle of helm's deep is one of my it's like the best scene in the movie. Best, I mean, it's like more than a scene. It's multiple parts of the movie. It's so amazing. Best battle sequences in any any film. Better than Saving Private Ryan. That's high praise. Yeah. Uh, the list goes on. Now, just imagine if they had CGI'd that whole thing. What do you mean? The whole Battle of Helm's Deep. Oh, my God. Well, a lot of it was CGI, but they use miniatures. They use... Live action, they filmed for like three or four months with the actors. Yeah, like they, they still had to work really hard to get actors out there during the night in the rain and do stuff uh-huh. out there. It wasn't just like, we're just going to CGI every single person on the battlefield and just get it done. I don't know. Like, I just, I really wish, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I'm just now beating a dead horse with it. I'm trying to think of like other things we could talk about about this. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's satisfied with it. I mean, there was something. There was, like, a PS from the net talked about you're only seeing six minutes of, like, a 45-minute part of the documentary where they they are very proud of they're, they're saying they are very proud of the movie, but 
And that this was an edited version of that. Like, obviously, it's because it's only six minutes. But maybe maybe Peter J- Jackson was just talking about that particular battle when they get to the Battle of the Five Armies, like he, or certain parts of the movie. But you can really tell that, yes, indeed, he, since he did not have the time to prep it, that he did have to wing certain parts. And I hope that maybe one day they, they can sit down and be like, okay... Let's let's really rework how this film works because maybe the extended versions are much better. I'm really looking forward to seeing that because the Lord of the Rings, the original cut, is amazing, but when you bring in the extended cut, it makes eating it's like having the best tasting pizza it's you've ever steak and eating it too. Yeah, man. it's like having the best pizza ever, and they're like, you know what? Here's some more of this best. It's like it's more. It's like it's putting really good steak sauce on a big steak. Yeah. <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why it was brown? Mm-hmm. Big steak. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? How's everyone been doing? That's kind of weird for the end of the podcast. <laughs> it's kinda like hey, a, we're going to sign off. How's like everyone been doing? Welcome to episode blah. Well, how's everyone doing? <laughs> well, we can edit that part out. No, it's cool. We're leaving it in there now. We talked about it. That's news. Uh, um... Man, is there anything else going on? It's like, oh, did you see the, uh, do you see that cool, there's a cool little, uh, inside look at the Joker's car going around on the internet. It's pretty sweet. I didn't say, I I thought it was like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari and like come to find out it's like this custom built kit car that you can get for like $60,000 and like this guy's small business has gone fucking through the roof insane since they seen the car going around in Canada, you know? Right. But like that—that that was pretty cool. It's a cool little short if you want to check it out. I didn't see that part. Um, I've been kind of like Thanksgiving is two days away, so I'm trying to get ready. Thanks for what? That. So what are what is everyone thankful for? Let's, I'll start with Tom. Batman. Thankful Batman. I win. You can't use it. Hello, my name's Tom, and I like to party. <laughs> All right, later, everybody. <laughs> what is everyone? Let's let's do a quick little roundtable. What's everyone thankful for uh, for Thanksgiving? Since Thanksgiving is two days away. My podcast, dog. Thankful for the podcast cave from Tom. Hey. Good shit. Cool. I've been thanked. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I'd like to say thank you to all the fans that listen to the show. There uh, it is. Without you guys, this may not be possible. We always appreciate the support. It'd be possible. It's just nice when people listen to us. Right. <laughs> um, Tom, what are you thankful for? I already said, man podcast like i enjoy it podcast mm. he just wanted to hear it again he did, did he just likes again. podcast the word yeah podcast specter spectra podcast spectra but no man like we wrapped it up if there's anything you guys want to talk I about i didn't tell you what i was thankful for nobody cares justin <laughs> damn well <laughs> i guess we'll go back justin what are you thankful for i'm thankful for? for you guys um i'm thankful for the fans I'm also thankful for the guests who've come on, uh, Shailen on Batman and Lords of Film. Really looking forward to uh, to that. Like we just, as you can tell, we're all really thankful for the Lords of Rings trilogy. Yeah, and the Hobbit (laughs) and Peter Jackson. I'm thankful for Peter Jackson. We're thankful for everything we've talked about, Um, except for Fantastic Four. Yeah, <laughs> got a point. Yeah, there. you got me there. Got a good point there, man. Oh yeah, I'm thankful for the fans. Thank you, everyone. Uh, uh, Alex's Narrows. We did that. Uh, we 
we dropped off that stuff to him. Oh yeah, congratulations, comics signed by us. Sorry, we depreciated the value on those. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to loyal listeners and uh, the haters, I guess, that make us want to be better. Um, You're writing a rap song. Yeah. Uh, and I'm th- I'm thankful for, like I said, I'm thankful for the guests. I really want to. Can I tell the Nope, we don't do that. Nope. Yep. See, I already knew where you were going with that. You didn't have to say anything. It was magic. I wanted. To, I so wanted to tell you guys was coming. Out. Make sure you uh, check out everything on the internet. You can check Lords of Film out on Facebook. Lords of Film. Check us out on Twitter at Lords of Film. Even though we haven't used our Facebook in like three months. Facebook Whoops. or Twitter and forever. Um, you can always check out this podcast and our other podcast, Shanley and On Batman, on www.shanleyandonbatman.com. Thank you so much for listening. That's going to wrap it up for episode seven of Lords of Film. I'm Tom Harper. Justin Chandlin. Kyle Davis. Have a night. Bye, Bye Felicia. Felicia.